It's no small feat to train your eye to see the opportunity that disruption creates, especially a disruption the size of a global pandemic. It follows that one would have done it before, calmed their nerves, kept their head, to see the potential in the chaos. Not many people have that kind of grit and gift, but our guest today does. Ali Magyar, CEO and founder of Dynamic Events and Hub, which is an event planning software company, has made a habit of this. I can't imagine many people envying the position of owning two companies focused on live events while staring down this global pandemic, which was hell-bent on shutting everything down. But she didn't let it stop her from acknowledging these harsh realities and seeing the opportunity. Keen with hard-won wisdom from a life of entrepreneurship, Ali shares with us valuable insight on navigating difficult moments, caring for yourself and your team, and having a good time along the way. This was a super fun one, and we hope you enjoy. Allie, welcome to the Roadcast. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. We're so glad to have you here. I think a fanta- like a fantastic place to start, um, maybe not obvious to some, is <laughs> drag racing. Yeah, let's talk about cars. Let's talk about drag racing and how it was an important part of your journey. Absolutely. Well, I think growing up, I always loved cars. And I ended up being a pretty big street racer here in Portland. Street, I mean, literal street racer. Literal, like people Help would us. flag you and you would just go. Um, like someone walking between the two cars and yeah, like... it really was like the movies. Come on. <laughs> it really was. Fast. If you go into downtown Portland and you notice signs on Broadway that say no cruising and people go, what the heck is this? It's because we used to go downtown, hundreds of cars, and drive like two miles an hour down Broadway, so super slow, and then we would go street racing after a couple of hours of that. That's amazing. It was a lot of fun. I want more. I mean, that can't be it. You got to. <laughs> well, I think I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew that I loved cars, and so I would go out, and I loved the energy of the street mm-hmm. races, and I loved how everyone came together, and so I started throwing parties at my house and posting my address online. You know all the things that you do when you're like 18 years old. And you don't okay, have a clue 18. What's I didn't going know on? That's fine. 18 is fine. <laughs> but I looked at that, and I was having so much fun. I wanted to throw a car show to bring everyone together. Okay. And I wanted it to be a lifestyle show. So we had breakdancing competitions and MC battles and oh, come on. all sorts of crazy things <laughs> that kids would absolutely love participating in. And so I was working at Old Navy at the time, and I took my life I feel like savings. this is a movie. Like, I can see the movie. <laughs> like, it's literally the intro to a movie. <laughs> it could be. Took my life savings, rented out the Clark Kenny Fairgrounds just north of here. Oh, my God. And asked all my friends to come help me. Had no idea what was going to happen. Are I, you literally 18 at this point? 18, at yeah. 18. Hustled, printed all these flyers, went to every mall, put them on every car windshield, called every radio station, every college. Basically just tried to create a hype around yeah. these cars. Didn't know what to expect. But we ended up uh, at the fairgrounds with 200 cars that came to exhibit. And we ended up with 3,000 people coming in the door, <laughs> paying $15 and I had no clue. Were there and other 18-year-olds like working the yeah. event? Oh, yeah. All oh my, my friends put them all to work. They were doing great. My dad running back and forth the Safeway, them thinking he's a drug dealer because he comes with all this cash and just needs <laughs> you know, money orders for it. Um, and so that, for me, was I got hooked. I loved creating that experience. Mm. I loved bringing people together. And at 18, I was sitting there with 45 grand in my pocket and going, 
I only had a thousand dollars in my savings That's like amazing. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And so I looked at that and I said, wait, okay, I can use this money and next year do two shows and then next year do four shows there and then is. the next year do 10 shows. And so I was able to take my car show business and scale it from just one show when I was 18 to over 10 shows across the country when I was 24. That is, so then that just became, it just, was there college or was it just like, hey, I'm immediately, I'm just this entrepreneur and I'm cooking now and I've got this. There was college for one quarter. <laughs> I I was a, I got a scholarship. I was a concert flautist. I played in the Arlene Snitzer okay, Hall. Okay, I don't. <laughs> A drag racing <laughs> concert flautist. I know. Yeah. Very random world that I live in. Uh, but it's, I, this, it's hard to believe at this point. We may need like pictures <laughs> for proof. Oh, gosh. I You want to talk about pictures. I've got the silk shirt, like <laughs> the chokers, the flute going on. I got the whole thing right, for you. Roll the pictures now. <laughs> Great. So glad that I now have to give those to you. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So there's... You throw <laughs> this breakdancing, <laughs> drag racing event at Clark County Fairgrounds. It's successful. There's this experience. So does that actually lead into a business genuinely? Is it that did. Like, okay. Yeah, it really was a business. I mean, I cut my teeth as an entrepreneur on what it meant to market something, sell everything, do all the operations, all of the accounting, and mm. really figure out how to grow and scale a company. Part of that was me thinking I can hold on. As an entrepreneur, it's always, this isn't gonna end, like I'll figure it out. Yeah. But I ended up $100,000 in debt at 24. And I had gotten lines of credit, credit cards. I mean, everything was on me personally. And I really believed in my business. I worked mm -hmm. super hard, but just a couple. Speaking of drag races. <laughs> right down the street. <laughs> I did that sound like a scooter. That wasn't a, a drag racing car. <laughs> but as you think about that weight of having that much debt, and really, I felt at 24, like... At yeah, 24, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. And I didn't have a college degree. I didn't have a community or a network. Mm -hmm. I had had my heads down building this business. I really felt like life was over at that point oh, in time. Yeah. And I had a complete breakdown. I remember on the second floor of the Portland Expo Center, I just cried for hours upon mm. hours because I didn't know how to function or how to pick myself back up and start again. Where does it move after that? Where does the journey go next? I, a few days, actually not a few days, a few weeks of laying desolate in my mom's <laughs> bare bedroom and having her cook for me and encourage me to get up out of my PJs, which I didn't want to do. Yeah. I definitely wanted to throw a pity party. I did not want to get up. Oh, yeah. I can't um, imagine. But it was, okay, I'm getting this encouragement. Maybe I can get up. Maybe I can try again. Mm -hmm. And reached out to my network of, of basically family, because at that point, that's yeah. all I had. And a family member had um, worked and had a coffee cart that he had done coffee up at the Microsoft Conference Center. And so he said, oh, I think I know this event planning agency. You already are doing events with your car shows. Let me make an introduction. And so I went up and I interviewed. I had had an interview for a used vacuum salesperson. And then I had an interview for being an event manager at my dream job at an oh, event wow. company. Right. So that was sort of the span of what I was dealing with at the time. <laughs> So good, though. <laughs> so good. Um, and I ended up We'd probably a job still be there. here talking about vacuum cleaners <laughs> <laughs> and like how you've we taken could. over the vacuum yeah. cleaning industry. So. You know, I think when you... <laughs> Are you going to bitch vacuums right now? No. Yeah. <laughs> you know the thing about yes. vacuums. Yes, exactly. I think it's all about passion. And 
being lucky enough to find your passion and be able mm -hmm. to spend every day in that is so important. I never yeah. really feel burdened by yeah. having to go to work. And that's a beautiful that's thing crazy. to live a fulfilling life. Yeah. But yeah, I ended up in Seattle. I moved, picked up and moved, and I took an entry-level position at a company called Dynamic Events. Mm. And they were planning and managing events for Microsoft at the time. It was a small company, about 17 people. But I started there, and I was so in love with what it was that I was doing. Hmm. I was planning events around the world, creating experiences. You know, Microsoft's a really awesome brand to be able to work with. And I saw that as an opportunity to learn everything I could about how I could grow that business and yeah. how I could be a part of that business. And in a small business, it, there's so much opportunity to be had. And so I said, how do I clean the warehouse? How do I know where the badges are stored? How do I make myself invaluable around the operations? How do I then learn how to code a registration site? I don't have a clue how to code a registration site. Like, mm -hmm. let me be the person that gets taught all of these things. And I slowly started to take over more and more so that within nine months of starting to work there, I was running the organization. That's so cool. And I still had the same title. I still had the same paycheck. Mm -hmm. But it was my opportunity to learn everything and to become really valuable. And through that process, I ended up doubling the business. Mm -hmm. But the founder there had just been at the right place at the right time, which is a big piece of entrepreneurship. But that also has to be matched with an entrepreneur mindset and yeah. heart. And she didn't have that. She was burning out. She didn't want to grow the company. She didn't know where payroll is going to come from. Mm. And she refused to give me a raise, <laughs> which completely set me Mistake off. Mistake number one. <laughs> and so I went to her and I said, well, I don't have any money because I'm 100 grand in debt for my car shows. Yeah. But um, I'm going to either leave and take all the customers because I've built this business mm. for you and you're not valuing what I'm bringing and we don't have a shared vision. Or you can sell it to me, but I don't have any money. So I'm just mm. going to pay you this amount per month for the next two years out of the profits that I know I'm going to be able to, to make. Ooh. And you can take your minivan and your digital camera that you love so much. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> And she didn't really have any choice because oh, wow. I had created the opportunity for me to run and manage that company mm -hmm. and to grow it. And so I very quickly talked to the rest of the staff and half of them didn't want to be there because mm -hmm. of my vision and my what I was wanting to accomplish mm -hmm. with the company. Yeah. And the other half I fired and I literally bought the company, cleaned house and so started cool. completely over. So kind of coming back to your journey. So you have the minivan and the digital camera and <laughs> she's on her way. Um, and then there's dynamic events, um, and maybe take us through the next couple like phases of dynamic events and maybe even into the like creation of hub and sure. how those things connect. Well, planning and managing events, I mean, convincing Microsoft at age 24 that they should allow me to keep this company and plan their events was a pretty hard feat. Like, I remember being so anxious going into that meeting with all these people and being 24 years old and saying, yeah, I'm buying the company and I should continue to run these events. That's so good. And part of that was just reimagining what events looked like. Instead mm. of focusing on what cookie am I serving, I started focusing on what's the business value that we're trying to express? Yeah. What are the experiences that we want people to have that's going to align them to our brand, mm -hmm. to get them to take the actions that we want them to take? And so I really looked at how, as an organization, we could move from the tactical to the strategic mm. and really help our customers to accomplish their yeah. goals for the event. And that was a big transformation time period for events in general. And so as we looked at that, I mean, I worked probably 20 hours a day, seven days a week for a long time. 
and uh, events are one of the top five most stressful jobs every year, according to USA Today. And it's because of the volume of information that you have mm. to collect and manage and then market. And so I scaled dynamic events and I hired at first friends and family, people that I knew that I could trust, yeah. um, that I knew would be honest and really care about what it was that they were doing. Um, but we scaled that company from just me to about 70-ish employees. Oh, wow. We're on the Inc. 5000 list several years in a row because we really loved what we did and were able to bring passion to our environment, both culturally at our company as mm -hmm. well as to our customers and their events. But as a part of that, with all of the burnout, with the stress, I saw my team and me working nonstop in spreadsheets and email, basically all this tactical work yeah. that didn't need to happen, you know, and I'd much rather be spending time on strategy. And being around technology and growing up in technology, Microsoft was also going through business productivity transformation. And so I looked at that and said, wait, I should build software that helps my team, automates all of the processes that we're going through so that they can spend time on the high value things. Mm. And so I went to Microsoft and I said, I'm planning and managing your events and you need this software and I'm going to build it um, and you're going to use it for <laughs> To your Microsoft, events. you're like, yeah. I have some software for you, Microsoft. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> it's going to make your events way better. And that's actually how we started. That's and I so started cool. building software. I knew nothing about mm -hmm. building software. I'm not an engineer. I can't code. I mean, if I can use some HTML to turn some text to purple, I'll do a little happy dance. <laughs> that was way harder back in the day versus now. That's so good. <laughs> But it was taking that risk. It yeah. was saying, I see an opportunity to help my team really become more efficient and to create a better experience for attendees through mm -hmm. this process as well. And I invested a lot of money. I basically took all the profits from dynamic events and dumped it into mm -hmm. building out this software. And as I realized that my team was getting value out of this software, my instant thought was, I need to go help other meeting planners because yeah. they're all burning out and are stressed stressed out because they don't have the tools that they need in order to be efficient. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of the deciding moment for me when I said, okay, I'm going to go do this. And I ended up hiring my right hand that had helped me build Dynamic Events, and now she's the fabulous CEO of Dynamic Events. And I decided to then focus just on growing and scaling the software side of the company. That's cool. As someone who had has and had a really intricate uh, view of the events industry. So we have dynamic events, we have hub, um, they were growing, you know, and then we have the year that we just, we <laughs> just had. Mm -hmm. um, and as I'm just curious, so you have these two companies event focused in person. Um, and then we see this pandemic kind of coming down the pipe. I guess at this this point, I'm more curious of just like, how did you feel, you know, <laughs> when when you saw, you know, and maybe it's teeing up a little bit, but just, yeah. I, I just think it's, and, and you're a person that's accustomed to taking risk, but man, this is a, you know, yeah. this is something that nobody really saw coming, you know. Yeah, um, yeah people always ask you, how is your business recession proof? There is never a single time anyone has said, how is your business pandemic? pandemic. <laughs> so we will now, though. That will right. be a we part absolutely of will now. You know, but I, I think I've, I've gone through the entire range of emotion. I mean, you have instant fear mm -hmm. of the entire, I mean, watching the news, how could you not feel yeah. instant fear in the situation that we were in? And then I felt guilt for being the owner of a company and not knowing what to do mm. or how to adapt to the situation. 
And then I felt anxiety about feeling like I was missing the boat or moving too slow or not filling out the right forms. I mean, it, it literally was every emotion in the book. And I still sometimes continue to feel that way, even mm. as we're coming out of COVID, because so much continues to change. But a big piece of that was also being able to center and ground myself and to actually allow myself to feel some joy and excitement mm. as well. You know, it's so easy when everything is falling down around us to get completely caught up in those emotions. Oh, I love that. And so I looked at that and said, okay, what am I going to do to ground myself? Mm -hmm. And I ended up going hiking in the mountains every Thursday all day hmm. at a time when my company is completely falling apart yes. <laughs> and the world is falling apart. But what I did is I spent that time to be able to be completely by myself, mm. to hike up a mountain and to let the anxiety drain from my brain yes. and to be able to think bigger. And so that's where I allowed that joy to creep in. And it's where I was able to say, what if, instead of, oh no. We're recording. Okay. Okay, we're gonna start from here. Oh, we're starting here. So I, I mean, probably yeah. shouldn't have my hands full of shit. No, it's fine. <laughs> oh, there is people here today. Oh, this is so cool. one or two people in this office at any given time. Um, and so I basically just use it to store my road bike <laughs> <laughs> and go ride down to the this lake. This is a back. super expensive garage <laughs> at very, this point. Very. Uh, Anytime there is massive disruption, regardless of what it is, mm -hmm. it's opportunity. And you, as an entrepreneur, I think you can either look at those moments as opportunity or you choose to say, screw this, I'm gonna go hide under a rock. <laughs> like really, those are the yeah. two ways yeah. that you can look at things, right? And change is often really hard. And I think that's really the test of entrepreneurs. It's entrepreneurs are the ones that get told no every day that still get up to do what they want to do. Yeah. When they see something impossible, they're like, hold my beer, I'm gonna go do this. And so when COVID hit, to me, it was just yet another thing to overcome. Yeah. The difference with COVID was that typically when you're overwhelmed and stressed yeah. and triggered, it's either home or work, it's not both yeah. at the same time. Okay. And so I think the human capacity was tested in a really big way because as a leader, to be able to stand up and have the energy to say, mm. let's go fight this fight. We're completely pivoting. We're changing everything we yeah. know. That's a difficult thing in and of it's by itself. But when you then throw in that you're a stay-at-home parent with your kids who are no longer in school, that are having a hell of a time, you don't know if you can even leave your house, you yeah. can't go grocery shopping. Mm -hmm. I mean, just everything that every human experienced yeah. throughout the last year, a fear of safety, fear of their own life. And then you combine that with having to step up and lead and to be confident. Yeah. I think that was the true test last year was how do you do that when everything is falling apart across your entire life? How do you get through that mm -hmm. and lead through massive change? So was there a moment like in that abyss where it was like, this is over? I know that's kind of like a vulnerable question to just be like, yeah. you know what, this is like, maybe this is it. Absolutely. 
I, but I've had so many of those moments that were like, <laughs> I mean, literally. And I so are you excited? So you kind of like, do you know, like when that when that's coming, it's like, oh, this could be it. And you're also going like, hey, you know, the silver lining of this dark cloud is like disruption creates oh, no. <laughs> I stomped my feet and cried and was uh, like so frustrated. And I, that moment for me was with COVID hitting yeah. and both businesses being in events, it literally overnight, both businesses were gone. No revenue yeah. coming in. I think that's for me, it's just like that, that's, that's the true like yeah. left hook. There is literally no visibility into what's going to happen. Now, common sense is something's going to have to happen, right? There's going to be a pivot <laughs> of some type, yeah. but part of holding on was being able to get PPP funds mm -hmm. and being able to keep employees. And I take that responsibility so incredibly seriously. Those, that's people's lives, mm -hmm. their jobs. And so my moment where I was like, this is all over was when I had applied for PPP, was told by my bank, everything was totally fine. Mm. And it was a Friday night and they closed all of the PPP funding, right? Everyone was out of money, but they had told me I was fine. And they came back and said, actually, we thought we submitted everything oh, and geez. we didn't. Oh, and geez. we're so sorry, but you don't get your $2 million that you thought you were getting. And I remember sitting there like in complete shock. My poor banker was in tears. I mean, yeah. it purely was a clerical error. It was things that our banks were, you know, set up for the infrastructure. Yeah, they've never faced yeah, things. Totally. And I, I mean, I sat there like stunned. And then I got, I figured, you know what? I am so upset. I am so frustrated. Normally, I would swallow it, move on to solving. Yeah. And I was just at a moment where I couldn't do that. Mm. And I mean, I literally was stomping my feet and crying and mm. throwing a complete and absolute fit by myself because it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But part of that for me was grieving that loss yeah. and being able to actually feel that and be in the moment because so it was crappy. Yeah. And I needed to be able to spend that time then the next morning to wake up and go, okay, now what am I gonna do? Yeah. And for me, that was that moment of, holy hell, it's all over. How am I gonna pay people's paychecks? And then the next morning saying, okay, here's what I need to do in order to get through this. And I think you end up getting a lot of clarity through some of the most stressful situations in your life. Yeah. And I found that personally as well as professionally in terms of when I look back and I think about the life lessons, it's never when things are going great. Mm -hmm. It's always when things are so incredibly tough and basically who you are and how you come to the table is a reflection of the decisions that you end up making. Yeah, that's so great. It's not the like pretty story, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the like truth. Yeah. Some of the things that like, I mean, one, I think it's super keen to say like, I have to grieve this moment. You know, that's just not thing. That's not a term we hear. You yeah. know, a lot of like part of our our plan here to succeed is to grieve the moments when they come. <laughs> you know, it's like no, but this is a, a grievable moment that, that allows you to acknowledge it and move on. That I think creates space for more creativity or something, so that it, you know, it's still there. The burden is still there, but it can move through you in a different way. I think. Um, so it also allows you to release the weight, yeah. which is one of the hardest part of being an entrepreneur is that you carry weight with you mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And if we don't take time to be able to grieve, then we carry that with us and it prevents us from actually being able to take action. It just snowballs into the next. Yeah. Okay. So, so then the exponential growth or, you know, 400% or however many employees, like how did it continue to kind of like steamroll and grow and. 
Well, and I think, again, that's where it's really important to look at every business is very different in mm -hmm. how it adapts. So while we grew from 30 to 100 employees at Hub, at Dynamic Events, we went from about 60 down to 30. Mm. Because when your core business is a services versus a software, it's a lot harder to pivot a service, especially when teams are being cut, You know, they've got minimal resources, they're not using contractors, they're trying to protect their own employees. So it's all about survival. It's all about how is it that you change up what it is that you're offering and how do you think about things in a new way just to survive and then be able to scale. Mm -hmm. And as an entrepreneur, it, it's constantly this, right? It's up and it's down and that's just a part of COVID as well. It's down. So you have to figure out how to go down in order to go back up. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is, it's opportunity. It is listening to the industry, being able to lead the industry and being willing to take risk. It could have all failed, and this would be a completely depressing story. I probably wouldn't be on camera. <laughs> <laughs> We're here with one of the biggest failures right. of the last year. Yeah. Well, and it's probably not bad. To, I mean, it's a great acknowledgement that it is like it's yeah. a roll of the dice to some degree. There's a risk. You were willing to take a risk. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to understand too. And this, as an entrepreneur, it's taken me 20 plus years yeah. to understand this. That. I could have worked just as hard and had it fail just as easily as working that hard <laughs> yeah. and having it succeed. You lead a technology company. Um, you're thinking about the way people experience online interaction, you know. Mm -hmm. um, who knew that hybrid would be the word of the decade or the century? Yeah. You know, we've got hybrid work, we've got hybrid events, we've got hybrid cars, hybrid dogs. <laughs> you know, we've got, I guess hybrid dogs aren't new, but um, what are you sensing and seeing as you think through how more and more of our life is being lived in the digital space? Let's you know, pause on that to let this freaking airplane. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, at least we're in the shade. I know, not we're not sweating like profusely, burning so up. Yeah. yeah. This new digital age is, you know, you watch movies like Terminator or, you know, these crazy visions of the future from so far, you know, and our world is going to be different. I look at my kids and say, the world you grew up in and the expectations that you have are completely different. And I think that's been every generation, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, it's all about technology advancement and how is it that we think about responsible technology? Mm. Because if we look at the technology that is in front of us, it's scary. And I don't want to live my life completely digitally. Yeah. And so there's also this responsibility of being a tech founder to say, how do we look at the whole element of a person and make sure that we're still honing in on the pieces that are so important to who we are? Yeah. Digital events have struggled over the years to be a predominant thing, mainly because of human to human connection. Yeah. It's what we all miss as a part of quarantine. And there's going to be a lot of innovation, VR, AR, XR, you know, as we continue to think about how the, just the world adopts and change, we don't shop at stores anymore. Amazon comes to my house every damn day and I hate it. <laughs> and I always prefer to shop local, but there's an element of that entire world has changed in the last five years. Yeah. And so I think we have to look at technology at solving some of those problems, but with a responsibility to making sure that we're using that technology in the right way so that we don't lose who we are as humans as yeah. well. Couple random questions, and maybe we'll finish up. Um, 
if you were to go talk, and I'm on the spot, so if you don't have an answer, it's okay too. Um, who do you want to sit down with? Who would you go? Who would you go road trip and talk with? Could be in events, could be yeah. in design, could it could be anything? Absolutely, it would be Brene Brown. Of course, I think that's absolutely going to be so many people's answer. Um, you we know, haven't I, had that answer yet, though. So, oh, all right, we'll Great. take a shot. Well, I'm sort of a fangirl. Um, Glennon Doyle, too. I'm a fangirl of hers. I, you know, I think anyone that teaches us uh, empowerment, mm-hmm. that teaches us about the value of being present in the moment mm. and being able to see things, having compassion, mm-hmm. being able to have authenticity with who we are, regardless of whether it's at work or at home. I just turned 40, so I feel like I'm midlife crisis. <laughs> and like this is part of the self-discovery. Is when? When did things. you turn 40? During COVID, of course, so that I couldn't have my like birthday the, party for, bash. For a person who was born to throw events and dreamt her whole life. And then 40 was like... You you don't even know. I had 300 people coming to a rooftop party at the Palms in Las Vegas and Vanilla Ice was performing. And I didn't get to do that. I, and I don't totally know that I want that on the show. Yes, but. that is staying. Vanilla Ice stays. Well, I got a credit, so as soon as we can get back in person, that party's happening. You, we can make the call to Vanilla Ice. Well, sure. I love that it's we. Like I'm like, and now Vanilla Ice is a part of design conference needs an opening act. I don't know what you're talking about. That's funny. Sorry, we were talking about 40 in events and yes, who you go visit. Yes. I, anyone that is able to help us see who we are as a complete human and yeah. how we bring our full selves to the table as someone that I'd want to spend time with. Well, I love how you're doing that. And I think it's come through in terms of being a CEO, a founder that can model innovative movement in tech space. And also at the same time, it comes through that there's a, a value on inclusion, people's mental health, your own mental health, care for others. Um, yeah, I just think it paints a really positive picture of what we can do. So thanks for being on the roadcast. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun to get together. Yes, it was fantastic. And um, we'll look forward to catching up down the road sometime. Sounds good. I'm sure the world will look completely different in 12 months. So I'll have a totally different story. Great. We'll come back. <laughs> Love it. Sounds good. Sounds good.